and welcome to the Edinburgh Fringe. The cannon, the thimble, the top hat, the iron, the battleship, the boot. It's August in the arts capital of the world. Yes, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. We are into the final week at the Edinburgh Festival Fringe and what a week it is. Essentially, we've got a Glastonbury to go and then another Glastonbury to go. This thing's huge. You know how huge it is? You know the number now? 3,500 shows. Of course, they are, they're not all running every single day throughout all of August. There's a little bit of mix, mix and match in there. I'm going to be interested to see the final number of curtain calls when we get to the end of August and the number. But anyway, the final week is here, which means uh, Monday to Friday, the weekend, and then a final Monday again for the 28th. About half the shows tend to turn up for Champagne Monday there. And it's been a busy weekend. The ticket sales are coming in. People are just sort of gathering their thoughts for that last big push. But also, this last week, there's a lot of awards and, you know, sort of laurels and rosettes that you can pin on yourself. One of the big ones is, of course, the Scotsman's Fringe First, uh, awarded for theatre shows making their debut at the Fringe. They have three tranches. We the first week, the second week, and the third week. We've just finished the second week. So we do have uh, those shows coming in as well. So that's Blue at the Assembly George Square, uh, Choo Choo at the Pleasance Dome, Club Life at Summer Hall, Everything Under the Sun, uh, which is Army at the Fringe, it's a little bit further out, uh, Gunter at Summer Hall, The Last of the Soviets at Zoo Playground, and Square Peg at Paradise in Augusta. Deans, all those links will be back at our website, and of course up by the Scotsman as well uh, for their Fringe First page. Right then, I mean, it's a big award. That's the sort of thing you can just, basically go round to the theatres for the next couple of years with it. So, congratulations all. Okay, on to today's interview. And it's worth remembering that The Fringe is not static. Neither are board games. But yes, there are rules, but house rules and people tend, tend, tend to add in just a little bit more. Monopoly is the classic in, uh, example that we have here. <laughs> Look, it is not a great game. Even if you follow all the rules, it's badly it's poorly designed. If you forget some of the rules, it's badly designed. And that's why it ruins friendships. It breaks families apart, um, at least for the evening, and just gets banished to the bottom of the cupboard while you play something far more interesting like Carcassonne. Anyway, Benjamin Albright not only has the arguments on the dangers of Monopoly, but also he reinvents the game with the help of the audience through his 60-minute show at The Fringe. It's called Absolute Monopoly, an interactive yet rather chaotic game show. From going through the rules, becoming the board to play the game, and then to deciding the winner, there's a lot of audience interaction in here to find that winner. And even if there's going to be a winner at all. It's on at Assembly George Square, 5.50pm through to the 28th. Yes, it's one of those shows that is on the Monday. So, myself, Benjamin Aldra, join us at the gaming table. Thank you. 
joining me now on the Edinburgh Fringe podcast show, Radio Shenanigans Spectacular, to talk about his Fringe show and a little bit more, Benjamin Obra. Welcome to the show, Benjamin. Hello, Ewan. How are you doing today? I- I'm doing really well. Um, I would always choose the dog. You don't? Oh, okay. So you're not alone in this. Um, most people choose the dog. A hot second contender, actually the thimble. Do you still get the thimble in the modern sets? I think you do. Well, well, they, they, they've changed it several times um, to incorporate various other elements. Uh, they, they've got rid of the iron a couple of times. Yeah, they replaced that with a football stadium. Yes. So what they do, <laughs> yes. So what they do is they get rid of an iron because they say um, the updated version of Monopoly for the modern age. Um, we don't need a domestic appliance. Then they replace it with something like something cool and trendy like a football or whatever. Um, and then the next year they release a legacy version, which costs twice as much and includes all the old pieces. So they've got their strategy worked out. And for those of you who haven't quite yet worked out what we've leading into, I've went curiously round to talk about the board game Monopoly because, Benjamin, that's your show at the Fringe. It is my show at the Fringe. Uh, the it board is game that causes more family arguments, more divorces, and you do know Vine Street's the best square, don't you? No, it's Mayfair. Arguments in the world. Absolutely. Um, so what we attempt to do during this show is we attempt to fix the problems of Monopoly inherent in it, which is that, you know, lots of arguments, uh, game goes on for too long. Um, but I don't think, see, the, the thing is that a lot of attempts to fix Monopoly um, usually end up in trying to make it more of a collectivized, friendly thing. I'm like, no, 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 the game is awful. Um, so you lean into that more. You make a game where anything goes more arguments, allow arguments, anything goes if it gets a majority vote. You know, pure chaos. And then you distill that into an hour-length show where the audience play and physically become the game board. And then you've got the thing that I'm taking up to Edinburgh this year. So this is Absolute Monopoly, who a couple of people might have seen it pop up at the Fringe last year, and it's made one or two appearances around the circuit in the last 12 months. So... You've spent some time with this as an idea, as in the concept, and actually doing it on stage. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the reason that we've been doing it so much around is because in addition to it being a show, which you need to sort of hone and perfect and make funnier and more entertaining, it's also literally a game that we play at the same time. And you need to rehearse and practice mechanics and tweak and edit things. So, yeah, we just played the Spiegel Tent in Brighton, which was good fun. Um, we did uh, the Gilded Balloon Patahoose last year. I always feel weird saying Patahoose. It feels like cultural appropriation. I feel like I should be saying Patahouse. But surely then that is um, colonialism. Well, exactly. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Find it, out it, what it, they say in Barrack upon Tweed. Say that. Done. Because it's slap bang in the middle. Um, they'll just probably call it Adam House because that's where it is. <laughs> Ah, the curse of living in Edinburgh for the other 11 months of the year and knowing what the buildings are really, really named. Okay, let me wind this back. Why Monopoly? Why decide to do a show about a board game? Monopoly is a universal experience. Everyone has played Monopoly. Everyone has given up playing Monopoly. um, And then everyone has just sort of given up in life because of it. Uh, I enjoyed the game a lot when I was younger. I had several different variations of it, including Make Your Own Opoly, which I used to make Alborough Opoly, where the different properties were the houses that my aunts had. Such was my obsession with it. 
and I thought it was worth revisiting. It's very much um, something that is ripe to be picked apart, I think. And how else best to do it than an hour at Edinburgh when everyone's running around like crazy anyway? So how do you work the audience into this? Because I should point out uh, to everybody listening, this isn't like a scripted hour. No, there are scripted elements to it. There are lots of jokes and funny bits. And I know the show has a superstructure. So I go in and I say, look, I have written this show, which is also a game where I know what we're doing. I have written basically 40 to 50 chance cards that people draw every turn that have various different effects, but those are randomized. So I've written lots of stuff, but it's all mixed up together. So basically every show is different. Um, And because the audience participate as contestants that basically means that every show is a unique experience so it's as scripted as it can be for a show that changes every night in terms of doing a show the traditional beginning middle and end that sort of ramp up towards the end when you're dealing with audience interaction and you're dealing with chance cards that could come up at the start of the hour at the end of the hour how do you as you know, the producer in situ, the performer, the stagehand, the scriptwriter, the everything. How do you still build a classic structure into your show so people have that rhythm that goes through and they get to that crescendo where they need to? I think that a defined show structure is often a thing that people worry about a little bit too much. There is a structure to the show, but it it's pretty much an organic structure that develops every night. Every night we have um, ups and downs. We have harms. We have elements of excitement. We have a little bit of pathos at the end. And, but we get there organically because of the cards that I know are in the pack, the decisions that the audience make. And with a guiding hand from myself, um, we, we sort of reach a conclusion. I, I think that the model of doing an Edinburgh show where the 35 minute mark of a sad bit is a pretty boring way to do comedy sometimes. And if if I went into making a show about Monopoly with that goal, then I think the fun elements of it, which are playing the game and having a different audience reaction every night, are going to be diluted. Favourite classic Monopoly rule? Um, I like the ones that have a lot of ambiguity about them. So what happens if you land on free parking? There's nothing in the rules to say that you collect the money in the middle. There's nothing to say that that's tax money. But everyone everyone has decided collectively that that is the case, which is then feeds back into the show because that's the decision that we make collectively. We we talk it out with the audience in a fun way. We do a poll and people get people get angry about it. And it's like, yes, tell me why you're angry. Get involved. You're You're angry about them getting angry. Great. Chat to each other. And I'm facilitating. Um, what What about in the show itself? You talk about in the press release that there are there are new rules. You've got the the vote of the commons, as it were. What's your favourite rule that has appeared in a show? So there's one card which we draw, um, which is basically an audience amnesty rule. So I say, you know, look, this show is not for everyone. That's fine. Uh, not every show is for everyone. You can leave, and I won't make a big fuss about it but only if you drink these two pints of milk. Because otherwise, I don't know if you're leaving for a valid reason or, or an invalid reason. You, you, if, you're not, if you don't like the show, that's great. That's fine. Drink the milk and leave. If you don't drink the milk, then how do I know that if you're leaving, it's not because of an emergency? I need to know. And what about 
outside of the fringe. This this show has been around uh, around a year, but you've not been doing this all year round, have you? Uh, no, I have not. Um, I'm doing uh, lots of other things as well. I'm recording a Go Faster Tribe special, um, uh, which should be out soon, uh, where I play uh, Terry Wogan, who's come back from the dead uh, and uh, is planning his return to light entertainment, no matter the cost. Now, that is a show for The Fringe or online or how can well, we get That's a one-off thing we did. Um, so I did it with Sean Morley um, and uh, we filmed it at the Moth Club. And a film would go faster, Stripe, who produced all of Richard Herring's DVDs, and it should be on sale for digital download pretty soon, I think, to the Go Faster Strike website. I, I find that it, the, the fact that you're filming shows, it's like straight to DVD in my head with my age is just this thing in the 90s where something didn't quite work. Whereas n- nowadays, it, it's an ambition. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, streaming is the next model of television and. I'm really happy to be a part of that. Um, and the great thing about Go Faster Stripe is they said that we can release it on DVD if we want. We can release it on VHS if we want. Um, I, in the initial meeting with him, uh, we asked uh, the director um, if he had the facility to record on Laserdisc. And by the time we finished the sentence, he was already scrambling for the equipment on the shelf. Laser. <laughs> oh, so much going on. You've got multiple hats as well, though. Um, I have there's the theatre producer hat going on and the comedy producer hat as well. Any of those being used in August? Uh, I am programming a series of lates at Bedlam Theatre um, at random dates throughout the Fringe. I recommend if you want to see a full lineup, go to Bedlam. Ask about the lates that Benjamin Orber is programming. We've got some fantastic things. We've got a Scalextrics-themed comedy night. We've got uh, the Glang Show which is a fantastic audience interactive show where they get to decide on what acts do as they're performing. We've got a um, a comedy night around the Midlands, which is Midlands-themed acts talking about middle things. We've got a whole host of fantastic shows on that. Half Midnight. What keeps you coming back to the Fringe then? What makes you want to put these things on in Edinburgh? I love uh, the Edinburgh Fringe. I think that there are a lot of quite fair discussions to be had about the economy of it and the pressure it puts on comics and other individuals. But the reason I think that I go up and the reason that I think everyone should go up is because they still enjoy doing it. I like having an environment for one month where you have the ability to participate in and see so many different things it's free reign for culture for a month and i think that's fantastic what's the wildest thing then you've seen at edinburgh oh in all the years of coming up because i know i've i've seen some stunning stuff and stuff that sticks in my brain and i, I wish it hadn't what about you oh uh, quite honestly the glang show which i've booked <laughs> Uh, it's a mixed bill comedy show where all the audiences are given ball pit balls and at any point in the show they can raise their ball pit ball in the air and demand a change in the circumstances. We, I, I've, I've seen the show where everyone's had to count silently in the head every eight seconds and then jump. I've seen it where people have had to swap, um, people on stage have had to swap with their doppelgangers in the audience. It's incredible. Um, it's exactly the kind of thing that if you like Absolute Monopoly, you should be coming to see. I, I do love someone who also manages to get there. I'll just promote all my own stuff at the Fringe. That's going to be fine. 
<laughs> I, I do exactly the same. Edwardfringe.thepodcastcorner.com is the website. More podcasts, more information, more links. Links will be uh, through to the box office for Absolute Monopoly. But before we get there, you need to know when the show is on once more. That's at 5.50pm at Assembly George Square Gardens in The Crate. And uh, the various shenanigans, shall we say, at Bedlam, which will be also... Can, can we? Will there be a single link for that that we can use, or will we just point everybody to Bedlam? Yeah, you, Bedlam Lates. There'll, there'll, be a, there'll be a link. Bedlam Lates. We'll point it there. Benjamin, thanks very much for the time. Thanks, Ewan. And uh, everybody remember out there, auctioning properties is why Monopoly is fast. You don't do it. That's why it's slow. I, I fully agree. That's in the show. We have a whole five minutes about it. Benjamin Albra there and Absolute Monopoly. As I said, playing at Assembly George Square, 5.50pm through to the 28th. We'll have links back on our website, straight into the ticket office, or you can risk it at edfringe.com. Anyway, edfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Links back to Benjamin's show uh, website and everything else there, as well as the Fringe First and the Bedlam Theatre link. Speaking of links, link, like, love, share, subscribe. You know all the usual things to do with social media, podcasts and such like. It would be great if you could do that. And, and if not, it'd be great if you listen tomorrow. Because uh, we still have two Glastonburys to go here at the Edinburgh Fringe. I can see the finish line, but I've got to do another lap around another week here in Edinburgh. Fantastic city, a fantastic time to be here, and a great time to give you just a little flavour of it here on the podcast. I'm Ian Spence, going back out into Edinburgh. You enjoy the rest of the day. I'll be here tomorrow. Ta-ra for now. You've been listening to the Edinburgh Fringe Show, hosted by you and Spence, produced by the Podcast Corner. Listen to more from the Fringe at edinburghfringe.thepodcastcorner.com. Edinburgh Fringe.